stand together. Turn to the book of Job. Book of Job, chapter 23, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. All that I knew where I might find him. Listen to this now. That I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Wow, this is a guy that's not in a good mood. Is it? Now, he's not talking about me coming to my house or your house or your house or your house. He's wanting to go to God's house. He's wanting to find God, and he's wanting to tell God a thing or two. Because now he's had some real issues and some real problems, and he just don't understand what's going on. So it says, verse 3, Oh, that I knew where I might find him that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments or complaints. Listen, he says, I would know the words which he would answer me and understood what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, no. He would put strength in me. I mean, let to be remembered today as we pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your precious word. We thank you for the strength that we gain from it, Lord. We thank you that there were men like this one, Job, that even when he got in his low place of life, he still maintained an element about him that was helping, helping him rather not to lose his faith. He probably come to spots to where he felt like it wasn't even worth it anymore. But we're so thankful, Lord, that you had a hold of him. Dear Father, you saw the hands of the people that were uplifted today. I'm going to ask you that you'd be mindful of them. Lord, these prayer clothes that I have in my hand, Father, for these brothers, you know who they are and you know their needs. I'm asking that you be mindful of them, Lord God. That you'd go to their homes and their situations. Father, would you anoint us today that we can be able to receive from you. We've come here, Lord, from different walks of life and from different things that's molded us and shaped us. Lord, each of us, our needs might be a little bit different, but we believe that you're God and that you can custom fit a sermon to be able to fit every hungry heart that's right here today. Would you grant it, Lord, in the name of Jesus? And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Turn with me to Job chapter 19, verse 14. Remember we've been looking at <clears throat> one of the bride's rights is the right to be able to rule and reign with him. That's our right, 
But it doesn't quite mean we're up to our rights yet. Rights are like anything else that's given to you. A person might be an heir or an heiress from a rich father, a rich mother, but they're only seven years old. So it wouldn't do much different if they was the son or daughter of a poor man because they're not going to get what's been placed on the will to them until they're old enough to be able to know how to use it. And our rights are many. They are great. They are tremendous. They are wonderful. But alas, some of them will not be attained until we as the people of God have been brought into a place to where that we can be able to handle them. Aren't you glad that God don't give power to just anybody and everybody? Can you imagine if you had power to speak the spoken word? You go out here and you turn right. After church is over, one of these gray-haired women that lives on this highway over here, this blue hair sometimes and gray and pink, whatever more, she gets out there about 35 miles an hour and you're starved to death and you're ready to go. You have the power of the spoken word. I wonder what you all would do with it. I can tell you what some of you do, probably the same thing I would. You'd push that button and spread out your car and go up this way and go right over the top of them and go through the drive-thru and go home. But God doesn't give that kind of power to everyone. Notice Job as he's come into this spot in his life. Job 19, 14. My kinsfolk have failed. My familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house and my maids count me a stranger. I'm an alien in their sight. Now, this is a man that was well thought of, well looked up to, admired. A man that whenever he would have went to the marketplace, people would have given anything just to be able to spend a few minutes' time with him. He was that type of a man. But now something had happened to him, and he didn't understand it. The people didn't understand it. So they're looking at it, and they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on with this man. It looks like he's lost favor with God. Well, you and I go through things that can be similar, whether it's an oppression or a sickness or a um, a situation in your home, whatever it is, and and people begin to wonder, what's going on with brother so-and-so? What's going on with sister so-and-so? Well, I begin to wonder about them at you. Oh, my, have you noticed in church, they've not been shouting like they used to shout. They've not been as happy as they used to be happy all the time. I wonder if they're a little bit backslid, if they're getting a little bit colder and different. No, it could be the word Jober, and they might really need a friend. You know, I know I'll never amount to much, too much in life. I, I know that already. I'm done too old to try to convince myself that I'll be much of anything. But if I can just simply be a friend to someone in need or to be able to speak something to someone that is dealing with so much stuff in life that they have no clue which way they're going to go. Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to be that type of an individual? Now, I hate to break the news to most of you all, But most of y'all are not going to be the president of the United States or his wife or his grandson or grandson. Most of you aren't going to be congresspeople, senate people. Most of you never be the mayor of Johnson City. 
Most of you will never be a CEO. You'll never be a great, great person of notoriety that the people of the earth will ever notice you. But I'll tell you what an awesome thing it would be. We may not be any of that. But the Lord Jesus gives us the awesome opportunity to be able to help his children as we go through this journey. And when we stand before him that day, he will look at us and say, thank you for helping me. And you'll say, Lord, I never even saw you. Oh, yes, you did. Whenever you encourage my daughter, when you encourage my son, when you encourage the person that felt so low, whenever you sung a song and you didn't even know why you was even singing it, but it was such a blessing to them. When you help them, you help me. Wouldn't that be awesome? Each of us had that opportunity. Now, I wonder how many people that had been around Job that Job had helped. But now Job needs help, and it seems as if though nobody will help him. Now, he's in a terrible state because by this time his children's gone, his riches are gone, his health is gone. Job is suffering from what they believe to be by the way he described what he had, elephantiasis, which was a swelling in his body. That would have affected his muscles, it would have affected his skin, it would have affected beneath the skin, and it, would have, it, was, it was a horrific type of disease. And it would cause your flesh to start rotting. And then you would put out this stench, this odor, that nobody wanted to be around you. Actually, your breath would become polluted with this stuff that you were dealing with in your body. And then you would have big boils, so the corruption was just oozing out of your body. Now, your legs are swollen tremendous size, which is where it gets its name from the elephant. So your arms are swollen. The pus is coming out of your body. Your face, your lips, his lips would have been swollen and bursted. His mouth, his ears, his face. He wouldn't even look like a human being. So said been someone since you'd seen Job. And all of a sudden you hear Job is sick. And you happen to go near where he lives and you see him sitting on the porch and you smell this horrendous smell. And someone from the house comes down and said, don't go near him. We don't even know what the man's got. The man has turned against God somehow and God has turned against him. Don't even go over there. Remember when his friends came and they saw Job, they sat there for seven days and seven nights and never opened their mouth and said one word. They were so overwhelmed by what they saw. Now these men were great men as well and they were men of considerable understanding about life and a lot of things about life. And whenever your situation would take the breaths of three great renowned men, you're in bad shape. Now Job himself didn't know what had taken place in heaven. I love the way Brother Branham describes, describes this in the message called, I Know, 417 60, which was a sunrise service, if you want to hear it. And he says that God and Job had had a debate. God and Job had a debate. 
And they were debating back and forth. And God was the one who brought the special attention about Job. And God said to the devil, have you considered my servant Job that there's none like him in all the earth? So God goes to bragging on him and telling him what kind of a person that he is. And then the devil, of course, comes back and said, well, of course, you put this hedge around him and you protect him and you don't let him go through this or that or the other. I'll tell you what you do. You let me have him and he, I will, when I get done with him, he will curse you to your face. God said, you can't do it. I know what kind of man he is. The prophet said God had confidence in Job because he had been fellowshipping with Job. But you see, Job was not aware that this debate had went on. So he's praying, he's asking God, he's petitioning God, and God ain't saying nothing to Job. It's just like God is totally silent. So when God gets silent, when we're in these times, the devil goes to talking to us, and then we go to talking to ourselves, and other people go into talking to us, and one time all that talking gets done, it leaves you about where Job was. So Job says, my kinfolk have failed, my familiar friends have forgotten me, they that dwell in my house and my maids count me a stranger. Now these, these people would have been the people that would have had to answer to Job. So if he said, come here, they better not do that. They're gonna lose their position. But he had lost so much respect, even in his own house, that maids and servants wouldn't even come. Now you imagine he's thirsty. This disease makes you where you are so thirsty because your body is constantly putting out these fluids. So your body is just seeping with these fluids and you're running pus and you're running blood and corruption. Oh, it must have been an absolute terrible thing. So Job would have been thirsty and said, would somebody bring me a drink? Hello? Will somebody bring me a drink? Even his wife wouldn't do it. Notice he says in verse 16, I call my servant. And he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth prior to this condition. If he would have called for his servant, he'd come running. What do you want, sir? Oh, great noble Job, what can I do? Your least desire, whatever you wish for, your wish is my command. What, whatever you want, but now, He's stricken, smitten. Even his servants won't come. So you can imagine the man trying to understand, what have I done? Maybe some of you have been there in your life. And you say, Lord, what have I done? If I've done something, show me and I'll fix it. Notice he says, I call my servant. He gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth, my breath, is strange to my wife. Now, even his wife would have get around him. Now, I guarantee you, if we would have had a weak stomach, it would have been a very difficult thing to get around a person like this. 
I've seen some pretty awful things in my life in different parts of the world where I've been and prayed for a lot of people. And you may think that our hospitals here are rough. You ain't got a clue till you go to some of the third world countries and see what they deal with. Seen people on the streets with leprosy, nose gone, hand gone, fingers gone, absolutely awful, awful things. And the stench that would take your breath. Now, you look at them and say, well, they're homeless, they're just heathens, or this, that, the other. So that helps us to feel better, does it? So, and what would we say about this man? Would we have been able to maintain our integrity for who he was? Now remember who he is. He's God's prophet of the age. So he is the only one in that entire age, not Job's wife, not Job's children, not anyone else that God could say was a perfect man. What in the world is a perfect man doing going through anything like this. But you see, there's something about character, throne-worthy character, that does not come with even the new birth. It's hard for us to imagine, I know, but the Lord Jesus, when he came to the earth, I may believe he was the sinless son of God, perfect creation of God, but yet he himself did not have the character that was needed. Well, according to the church age book, and we've read it to you over and over again through the years, his character was perfected by the things that he suffered. Now remember, he, he laid aside the kenosis of God. He laid aside many of his great qualities and characteristics and traits of deity. And he took on a human form, a human nature, a human temperament. But yet, there was some of that that he maintained, but he could not overcome as God, it would be unfair to you and I. He could not face Satan as God. He had to face Satan as a man, filled with the Holy Ghost, using God's word as his only defense. He could not use the crown of deity to defeat death. He could not use the crown of deity to defeat temptation. Jesus conquered women in that day, my brothers, in the same way we will conquer them, and that is as sons of God filled with the Holy Ghost. If he conquered his deity and then told you and I to do it, we could answer him back and say, that is not fair. You conquered as God, and you are telling me to conquer as a man. So what did he do? He laid that aside and said, all right, sons, this is what I will do. I will step aside from my position in the heavens. I will not conquer sickness as God. I will not conquer death as God. I will not conquer temptation. I will not conquer pride, arrogance, selfishness, so on and so on as God. I will conquer it as one of my brothers. I will conquer it as one of my daughters. I will humble myself and lay aside who and what I am. And yet he, when he comes to the earth, he is perfect as he was 
Father did not create in him a perfect human character. He come to the earth like you and I when it come to that. A character that must be molded. Now remember he was not flawed in the sense that we were. But he was not in that sense of having that perfect character which was fit to rule. So he must be tried. He must be tested. He must be misunderstood. He must be rejected. How many of y'all have ever been rejected before by friends, family, people? Of course we all have. And there's something about being rejected that's hard on all of us. Rejection has a different reaction to us than acceptance does. When we are accepted, it's totally different than we are rejected. And really what's different is whenever you're accepted by people for a long time and then they're rejected. You experience that as far as friends. So he had to come the same way. He could not just be tried in the sense of up on the, the great the pinnacle of the temple. He could not just be tried up on the mountaintop showing the kingdoms of the world, but he must be turned down. He must be put into a spot to where whatever he said could happen. And his human temperament want to be able to raise up and say, I'll get you for that. I will get you back. Remember, I will get you. No, he never done that one time. But he had to understand that feeling. He had to be able to relate. Now notice Job says, my breath is strange to my wife. Though I entreated for the children's sake of my own body. Now imagine his personal reputation as far as his wife was concerned. Now the one that she could point to him in any way of sin. Job, you've done this and you've done that and you've done that. There was not one thing that the woman could say. As a matter of fact, she turned right around and told him, said, why don't you just curse God and die? That's the best thing for you. That's the best thing for me. That's the best thing for the household. Just go ahead and curse God and die and get out of this wicked, wretched mess you're in. You're an embarrassment to me. I have to put up with you. You smell like I don't know what. I've got to deal with you all the time. I have to try to bring you some meals every now and then and you stink so bad I can't hardly stand it. Brothers, can you imagine? Sisters, can you imagine being treated that way? Oh my. And yet Job did not know that God had said, this man is a perfect man. You know, myself, as I get older and as I travel around and been in different parts of the world, and I realize that there's many people around the ranks of our message. And probably myself, just looking at it, I think one of the things that I found, the lack, which would be one of the biggest lacks among us, is a character which is fit to rule. Maybe have signs and wonders and can cast out devils and do that sort of thing and sing and do all, all types of works. But when it comes to being able to have a character that is throne worthy, I'm afraid we're going to be short that day. I'm afraid we're going to find out that many have said in our ranks and some that's even said in our church, when it comes to dealing with people, coming to know how to deal with them that will say things against you and treat you wrong and do this and that and the other, it's really, really hard. It's really difficult for us to be able to rise above our humanity because we tend to lean toward the nature that was given to us by our parents. Notice Job says, yea, young children despise me. 
Now to us, for us to read that in this day, and in the age of disrespect that we have, it ain't no big deal for little kids and whoever to disrespect you. But in that day, that was so anti-cultural for the way that they were brought up because the way that they would have been, and still remember Job is the oldest book of the Bible, so for them to have this, this ability to treat Job in this way, they must have been hearing it in their home from their parents. So their parents must have been the one that was talking maybe around the table and they were saying, hey, have you heard about Job? Have you heard this? Honey, have you heard about Job? Yeah, man, I heard about that. I'll tell you what, I don't know when I've ever been surprised in my life. I, I thought that was a great man of God, didn't you? I sure did. I thought that man just walked with God. Well, I guess we was wrong because it's easy to see now from what I hear, you can't even get in the room where that man is. They tell me, I was talking down to some of, some of the sisters the other day down at the store and they told me that they got kind of close out through there. They brought some butter and eggs and things like that and wanted to see if Mrs. Job might want to buy some. And they got right up there close to the porch and the stench was so bad. One of them sisters told me that she had to just run out of there and leave. She couldn't even sell her eggs and her butter and her molasses and her sorghum and all that stuff. She got so sick and she got behind a big bay tree over there and that poor thing started vomiting because the smell that was coming out of that house. Well, see right there, that's what I'm talking about. There ain't no way in the world that that could be a man of God and going through that type of trial. Uh, testing, one, two, three, am I, am I okay, am I working? I wonder sometimes if we don't look at people and judge them by what they're going through and begin to think, my, there must be something wrong. Job's comforters. <laughs> oh my, oh my goodness. Notice, yea, young children despised me. I rose and they spoke, they spake against me. All my inward friends, now we move into the closest friends that a person can have. And we know we all have friends by degrees. I have friends around the world. My goodness, I've been blessed by the grace of God. I've got friends around the world. But then you have close, intimate friends, and then you have that inner, inner circle, you know what I'm talking about. And you may not have that many in that inner circle, but you just feel like they're the ones that will stick with you through thick and thin. They'll be right there no matter what you're going through and you can tell them anything and they're the type of friend that whenever you're down, you can tell them and they're just, brother, hang in there. I'm right there with you. But yet Job had tried that. So it broke all of the circles of friends that he had, those that were acquaintances and they always sure knew them and they knew him and they showed him respect, but they were some of the first ones to go. But then it got closer and closer and the circles kept breaking and breaking and now Job is actually at the inward circle, the very closest of all friends. All my inward friends abhorred me. They whom I love are turned against me. Now over what reason? What had the man done? The man had not taken somebody else's wife. He had not molested one of the maids that was in the house. He had not robbed anybody. He had not cheated anybody. A man of honor and integrity. Oh, but you see, the hand of God had been turned loose on this man. Isn't it amazing? I mean, Carol heard this the other day as I was driving up to Indiana for a funeral there of a dear sister of ours that we've known for many, many years. 
And we heard this as we was coming back down the road. And you know, the prophet, when he relates to this, you know how he loved to dramatize and how beautiful it was when he would do it. His friends had turned against him. And Job did not know and understand that God was going to bring out of this the greatest thing of his entire life. But it certainly didn't seem like it. As Harry quoted it to us earlier when he sung the song. And by the way, I didn't know Harry was singing that song. As a matter of fact, first time I ever heard it in my life. I didn't know that Harry was singing it. Harry didn't know what I was preaching. But I believe the Lord has us in mind today. I love it when God does that, don't you? You see, the real spirit of God, I don't have to call Brother Louie and tell Brother Louie to sing this song. Brother Louie had that brother sing that song, have sister that sang that song. But the spirit of God knows how to be able to orchestrate things together, doesn't he? So it must have been to where that now it has come so close. Notice that Job says, my inward, all my inward friends abhorred me and they whom I loved are turned against me. My bone cleaveth to my skin. Notice now he says, my bone cleaveth to my skin. So this part of his flesh, which the elephantiasis has not uh, all swollen out, his bones, and they're just like glued. His skin is glued to his bones. And the inflammation must have been absolutely terrible. No doubt when he first started, there was, he could afford some of the best doctors that was in the land of us. And the, the doctors would have come in all types of specialists and maybe went to clinics and hospitals of that day, whatever they were. And they tried to diagnose him and they rubbed him with all types of herbs and compounds and this and that and the other. I don't care what they would have tried. There's absolutely nothing that could have cured this man until it come time for God to turn the tide. Now let me tell you today, maybe you're in a state and you're praying about a deliverance of whatever it is. Now, I don't know too much about God, but I do know enough about him to know sometimes he has a reason. The prophet said that this way when we pray that sometimes God says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait a while. Now if God says wait a while, then he has a reason for making you wait because a lot of times during that waiting period, there's pain involved, there's separation involved, there's anxiety involved. God is not doing that without a reason. Can anybody say amen? amen. But when God does say wait, maybe it's for one more doctor to see you and agree with all the rest of them, there is no medical hope. You're absolutely beyond help. You're beyond science. Maybe God wants one more rehab therapist or one more nurse or one more specialist to be able to add their name to the ones that's already on the list and say, well, we feel sorry for them, but there's nothing else we can do. And then when God turns it around, it's one testimony after another, after another, after another, after another of what God did, what they could not do. So I've learned myself that whenever the Lord delays, it's not that he doesn't care. And it's not that God gets joy out of watching his children in anxiety. God does not enjoy it whenever he sees me and you so burdened down and so troubled and it seemed like that we cannot be able to make it another day and we think, Lord, what have we done? What have we done? Tell us, let us know. It's not that God is saying, ha ha, I really enjoy watching you all suffer. This is so much fun. No, God is not that type of a God. Oh my, aren't you glad he's a loving father? So when he says, wait a while, 
It's for a reason. Now notice he said, my bone cleaveth to my skin and to my flesh, and I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. I don't take a rocket scientist to run your tongue over the top of your teeth right now. You can do it if you like. Uh, and you realize you ain't got much there. So it's pretty thin, is it not? Job said, I'm right down to the very last. Have pity upon me. Have pity upon me. Oh, you my friends. What's he doing? Now Job is answering back to his comforters who've come down. They said, you're a secret sinner. You ain't right with God. You've got something going on in your life. That's, that's what it is. You've got something going on in your life. Why, look here. Look, this certain, certain woman could have come through her prayer line. She come to there. She had bobbed hair, had on lipstick, this and that and other, and got absolutely healed. And yet, look at you. You love the Lord, and you believe him with all of your heart. And you've had a harder time since the prayer line than you had before. Then there must be something wrong with you. no. It must be something right with you. There must be something about you that God can trust you. Now, I hope you understand what I'm fixing to say. There are many, many Christians in this world that God cannot trust with great trouble. There are many message believers that God cannot trust with great difficulty. There are message preachers that God could not trust with a great load of anxiety and trouble. He simply could not. They could not bear it. They could not take it. Now maybe you're saying, glory, hallelujah, I hope I'm one of them. Well, I feel sorry for you if that's your attitude. I want God to be able to trust me with whatever he knows I can bear, don't you? I'm not looking for a fiery bed of ease myself. Now, notice he said, have pity on me, have pity on me, oh, you my friends, for the hand of God hath touched me. Now, you see here, in a sense, Job is wrong. Harry sent me a quote the other day, and I'll read it to you momentarily, that Brother Ram said that if, as long as Job, if Satan could convince Job that it was God doing this to him, he had him defeated. But once he understood God was not doing this, but God was allowing Satan to. If you listen to that message, I know you'll hear Brother Branham say that God will allow those messengers. You remember in the Old Testament when that demon, that lying spirit came and God said, how can I get the people to be able to fulfill what I said by my my prophet Elijah? Remember that? And a lying spirit come up before the throne of God and bowed down before God and said, I'll go down there and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all them false prophets if you want me to. Now remember, God cannot anoint anybody to lie. God cannot anoint any person to ever leave his word. That's why the word is our absolute. Feelings will deceive us. How many has ever had your feelings to deceive you? Of course they will. Dreams are not infallible. Now, a lot of dreams you have is like the ones I have. You ate too much sauce and chips before you went to bed that night. And you had too much indigestion. That caused this weird dream. And then you get up thinking, oh, Lord, there was 13 crows and there was three buzzards and there was three turpentine bottles and there was three moon pies. I wonder what one of them moon pies is doing there. I can't figure that out. Oh, but it must have been something spiritual. I doubt it. What did you eat before you went to bed? Now, come on, church, don't get quiet on me. 
But yet you realize God will actually tap into that and allow these things to do it. God did not touch Job. It was not the hand of God. But Job thought it was. It was actually God bringing him to a state of perfection. Notice in verse 22, why do you persecute me as God? Are you not satisfied with my flesh? You know, in other words, he's saying, what, 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 you mean you all can't see the pitiful shape that I'm in? It must have been horrendous. I cannot imagine, Brother Jack, how them friends he is, even so-called, even sat there within hearing distance of this man's voice. And they were mesmerized by the state of this man. Sitting there so much that they didn't even say a word for seven days and nights. Now notice he says, all that my words were now written, all that they were printed in a book. Little did he know they would be. Thank God they were. All that my words were printed in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. Now notice, when he comes right down to it, Look at something he knows. For I know. Now there was a lot he didn't know. Joe, why are you going through this? I don't know. Why is your wife forsaken you? Your servants forsaken you? Why don't God hear you when you pray? I don't know. Why don't God heal you as soon as you ask him? I don't know. Why has all of your friends turned away from you? I don't know. Do you know of anything that you have done, Joe? I don't know of anything. And he could say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Anybody ever been there besides Job? Oh yeah. And you just don't know this and you don't know that. But there's one thing left which was very important that he knew. I tell you, friend, I don't care what you're going through here today. If all hell is breaking loose against you, if you can have this same I know that Job had, it will shake all hell around you. Now notice there's one thing left that he knew. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. I do know this. I have a redeemer. Now remember, he was able by the Spirit of God to move forward in time under this divine inspiration and be able to say, I don't know why I'm sick. I don't know why my wife won't even speak to me, my kids, this, that, the other. I don't know what I've done. I don't know. But I do know this, my redeemer lives. Is there anybody here today that can say, I know my redeemer lives true? I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm going through this and that and the other. My family's having the awfulest time ever was, but I know one thing, my God's a healer. Well, I believe we know more than just one thing. I believe our God is El Shaddai. I believe he is our redeemer. He is our healer. He is our deliverer. I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. You see, Job come down to where he had one thing left that he knew. Oh, you have got a whole heart full today. You have got a whole message full of things that God has given us and the positive affirmation. I know this word is right. I know there's a rapture. I know he's coming. I know I'm going. I know you're going with me. Well, somebody say amen. I know Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know he's coming back. I know Satan will bow. 
I know. Look at me again in Job 23, 8. Look at the search and the quest for God in such deep anxiety. You know, God has such a way of hiding. He not only hides from the church orders and a lot of the seminaries, but when he wants to, he can hide from the elect. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he does work. I I see that's him. I, I know that's him doing this. So I go over to be a part of it, and he won't let me have nothing. On the left hand, where he does work but I cannot behold him. So I see his works and I see him manifesting himself and I say, God, please remember me. Please remember me. It's just like he turns away from me. He hideth himself on the right hand. You imagine almighty God hiding from Job. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I ain't never been through what Job had, but I have experienced a few of these things myself. Anybody else in here? Well, glory to God, I'm so glad to know the rest of y'all just live on Mount Sunset. Or whatever the name of your mountain is. Wow, it must be awesome. Come see me after church and tell me how that is. So I looked at him on the left and I looked for him on the right and whatever, I just knew he'd be there. And when I turned, he hid himself from me. Oh my. He hides himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he's still got some hope left. <laughs> but he knoweth the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And Word of Life said, Amen. When he has tried me, I shall come forth like gold. Notice this and how it can overcome. Christ is the ruler, throne ruler at this time of the complete domain of God. So will the church be with him, the bride be with him in his throne, in his entire domain. See, not on my throne, but in my throne. Now remember, he's reading the scripture there in Revelation that we will sit with him in his throne, not on the literal throne itself, but in his throne domain, in his dominion. Notice a throne is over a domain and a domain reaches as far as its boundaries does. And this is from eternity to eternity. Just think of it. Now this is what the Lord has given us the right to be. But it's a mystery really because he calls us, chooses us by predestination, thought of us before the foundation of the world. That thought is eternal. Then when we come to the earth, that thought is deposited in our soul. It lays our dormant for years and years. Then one day we become born again by the breath of God. And we start changing. My, things just fall off and other things we have to work on for a long time. But we started having, uh, going heavenward. 
And then day by day, we go through things and there'll be days that things go good and there'll be times that we'll lose a little ground, but we don't lose it for long, we regain it again. Is that right? And then we just keep on pressing and pressing and pressing. And we're overcoming this and overcoming that, but yet there's still something lacking in us that the baptism of the Holy Ghost did not give and that is a character that is so much like the Lord Jesus that one day fallen angels and people will walk before us as we sit with him in his throne and we will judge them. So with our present character here today, I wonder how we would judge if the judgment were called this morning. No doubt there's people that we would judge wrongly in the sense that we are so convinced they are just such wonderful people. But you don't know in six months from now, they will do this, 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 and this, and this, and totally turn away from God and leave his word. Yet we judge by sight, or how much we like them. And then there might be others that we say, ah, that sorry outfit, there ain't no way in the world he'll be a no bride. Ain't no way she can be a no bride. My goodness, you, know, you, you heard the latest one him or her done, but you know, this service might change him or her and they'll never be the same again. So then you judge that they were serpent seed and you totally missed it. Can't you see, even the new birth does not give to us that divine nature to be able to judge and have the right type of character. Or that we know how to deal with people. Well, praise the Lord. Now, it is that part that God must mold and shape in each of us. Now, notice he says in the Samaritan church age, a man without character can't reign because power apart from character is satanic. But power with character is fit to rule. And since he wants us to share even his throne on the same basis that he overcame and is set down on his father's throne, then we have to overcome the set with him. Overcome what? Just drinking, smoking, lying, yep, all of that too. But mainly ourselves. Ourselves. Even after you lay aside all them habits, you still live in that old stinking, rotten body of yours just like I do in mine. Now, notice he says that we have to have this type of character to be able to reign. He wants to share with us what he has. Then we have to overcome to set with him and the little temporary suffering we go through now is not worthy to be compared with the tremendous glory that will be revealed in us when he comes. Oh, what treasures are laid up for those who are willing to enter into his kingdom through shouting, jumping, so much joy, so many blessings that you can't even count them. Much tribulation. How many still wants to go? Oh, a, few, a few less than when we started. Oh, no. I hate that for you. But I'm trusting you're going to be helpful for the service. Notice in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness. How many understands heaviness? Heaviness. Heaviness through manifold. This word is variegated, which means many different species. Through manifold temptations at the trial of your faith, 
being much more precious than that of gold that perishes though it be tried with fire may be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now this is the quote I was saying about. Remember the trials, the dusty roads, the hot sun of persecution, but the loyalty of your heart beats that material until she's ready to go into the mold. Listen what beats the material now. This is an awesome quote. Thank you for sending this to me, Harry. Remember the trials, the dusty roads, the hot sun of persecution, but the loyalty of your heart beats that material till she is ready to go into the mold. So the loyalty of your heart beats Christ the word, beats integrity, beats strength, beats faithfulness. It just beats, 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 beats love, mercy, joy, peace, Happiness beyond all understanding. Love, sanctification, praise God. It's just beating, beating, beating. It's beating in you and it's taking the material and beating and molding something in you. And naturally you were born with say a streak of temper. And whenever people say anything to you, boy, you have a hard time ever forgetting it and you wanna give them a piece of your mind. But your God-called sanctified heart is beating, turn the other cheek and pray for them. Don't hold a grudge, but forgive. When you stand praying, say, Father, forgive. As or if you forgive men, so your Father will forgive you. Somebody say amen. If not, when somebody walks before you at the white throne judgment and you know they done you wrong, you will judge them and send them to hell from the memory of the way they wronged you. Oh my. Well, Jesus... I need help. I'll go ahead and say for them too, Lord, they all need it too. And everybody that's streaming today, we need help. Oh my, notice this, he said, God's children is made up correctly on the word for they are living examples and the word of God living through them. See, the trial comes to shake you, to put you to the very bottom. Wow. Wow to put you to the very bottom to see where you'll stand. The tested, try every son that comes to God. As long as Satan can make Job, he's talking about Job now, make him think that his sickness was his God doing it, he had Job whipped. But when Job once struck a revelation, it was not God. It was only God through trials to make him. He was only going through his trials to make him something. It wasn't God doing it. It was Satan doing it. And the same thing today. He'll try to tell you these trials and things. It's your God putting your punishment upon you. It isn't so. No, sir. It's Satan doing that and God permitting it to temper you. Oh, my God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to make you see if you're tied to this earth by the earth's cares or whether your treasures are in heaven. For whether your treasures is, there are your heart also. That's right. Your heart is where your treasures are. 
So in the heart is beating in a child of God. I'm called, I'm chosen. But you've asked him and you've asked him, you've asked him for this and that and the other. Has he answered you? Well, no, not yet. There's your faith answer. Not yet, but it's on the way. Well, how long does it take him to get here? Well, it don't take him that long at all. But if he's delaying, he's just waiting for a reason. Oh my, I told Erica, I think it was yesterday, me and Carol to stop to pray for her. And I told her, I said, you be faithful. You hang right there to God's promised word because I believe with all of my heart the angel of God's gonna pass through this cul-de-sac or this community one day in this neighborhood and you're gonna be a hell, a heal woman. You're gonna be a heal woman by the grace of God. Let me say the same thing to you today. You keep on holding on for your healing. You keep holding on for your deliverance. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you keep holding on. And the devil says it ain't for you. Say, shut your mouth and get back down where you belong. It's for me. It's unto you and your children and them that are as far off. Many and many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. It's for you. Healing is for you. Deliverance is for you. It's yours. But you'll have to fight to get it. Oh my, though the skin worms eat it up, he said, it will still come back. Whom I shall see for myself, mine eyes shall behold, and not another. He said it, Job, why? Listen to this, I love this. Why? He was a believer. In trials, he was a believer. How many wants to be a believer in trials? That's what gets a lot of people. In persecution, he was a believer. He was a genuine believer. In trouble, I want to be a believer. In sickness, I still want to be a, be a believer. In delays and circumstances I don't understand, I still want to be a believer. Well, that ain't hard because I am a believer. So I'm not just a believer in the good times. I'm not just a believer. Well, come on, somebody. I'm not just a believer when things is going good. I'm not just a believer when I got friends everywhere. I was still a believer when a lot of the message folks turned me down years ago, but I'm still a believer. Come on, somebody. I want to be a believer when Satan says he ain't going to move. I say, yes, he is because I'm his son. Well, when's he going to do it? I don't know, but I know he'll do it. I don't know how he's going to going to change our body. I don't know when the rapture's coming, but I believe with all of my soul, it is. I believe there's people here today that are going to enter into that rapture. Notice in this sermon, I know, it is written in one of the scriptures in the Bible, the trials brought upon us are more precious to us than gold itself. Where does God giving us these trials after we become his property? Our confession and our baptism and our promise to walk in life for him. Then every trial that comes upon us is to perfect us for his glory. I say, Brother Donnie, wait a minute. I, I thought the blood of Jesus perfects us. Two different words. Two different words in the New Testament used for perfect. One of them is complete adding what is lacking. The other one is sinlessness. This character of trials and things you go through does not make you sinless. The blood does that. But these types of things, what do they do? They add what's lacking in our walk with God. Anybody here today be honest with me and say, I need help, Brother Donnie. I've got things missing in my walk with God. I need it. Well, you see, what, 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 Brother Don, does that mean that I'm lost? Absolutely not. 
I'm talking about a separate thing than your soul being sinless in the eyes of God. Do you understand whenever he hears you pray, if you're in Christ Jesus, him, let me hear your voice. It's coming right up through the blood of the Lord Jesus. It's the same as the Lord Jesus himself praying. And yet our human character can still be flawed. Oh, what a great mystery the new birth is. And God absolutely hears us and the angels of God have to stand there while we, which were lost without God, God would hear our prayer. The prophet says it over and over again. Who has more authority in heaven, a son of God or an angel? You know the answer to that, it's the son of God. And yet that son of God in the earth may be lacking, oh my, so much in his human character. But when he prays, heaven answers. Whenever he prays, heaven answers and God will send angels to that son or daughter of God and yet they're missing so much in their character. Praise God. Notice this. It's to bring us to a place where God can make himself more real to us than he was before the trial came. Wow. Wow. So I was standing at the Carter County Bank a little bit ago. The teller, the lady there, they know us because we've banked with them for years and years from the church and stuff. Every time I walk in, she says, hello, preacher. That's why she calls me all the time, preacher. So there's several things going on there, and I need her to do a little something there for me. She said, well, you'll just have to give me a minute, our preacher. He said, patience ain't one of my virtues. I've been praying God would give me more. I said, ma'am. The Bible says tribulation worketh patience. Patience experience, experience hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And she said, maybe I should not pray that way no more. <laughs> Another teller lady was there and she said, what was you just quoting to her? So I go back through it again. Nothing like a Bible study right in Carter County Bank, right? She said, but you mind telling me where that scripture is? I said, yes, ma'am, be glad to. But there's something about it. Tribulation worketh our patience. And it brings something that after the trial is over. I heard people, I know you're gonna think I'm crazy, but I've heard people, oh my, in the last couple of years has had cancer, had this and that and the other, and one particular person sitting right here looking at me today said, I would take absolutely nothing for what I went through. Because when I came through on the other side, I was closer to God than I had ever been in my life. And I've come to your church for years and years and heard your preaching and this and that, but that trial done something for me that all the preaching I heard never done. Of course, the thing of it is, all that preaching helped build up their faith and give them the ability to go through that trial. And we know that, but there's something about trials. It does us good. Oh, how many wants one now? One person, okay, God bless you, sis. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> oh, my, but there's something about it. It does more than somebody writing you a check for $10,000. Time the IRS gets their part, and your grandson gets the other part, your wife gets the other part, you won't have much left anyhow. And trials bring something to us that is more precious than gold. 
Oh, if this building was stock full of gold today, we say, oh my, everybody get what you want. Get your portion, pay your house off, pay your car off, pay your bills off. My, we'll come back Wednesday night driving Cadillacs and Escalades and Tahoes and Suburbans and everything else. Well, glory to God, I got a house full of gold. Let me tell you something, you have already heard enough this morning that is way more value than this building being full of gold 500 times over because this will keep you when the world is on on fire, this will keep you in test when you ain't got a penny to your name. Let me close. Brother Bam says, I wanna join in this morning with Job to say I've lived long enough to know that's the truth. I've seen it in my own life. That every time a great situation rises, I can't get around it. I can't go under it. Oh, glory. Can't get around it. Can't go under it. Can't go over it. God makes a way and comes out glorious. I just wonder how his grace ever does it, but he does it. How many has been there? When it's been so big and you look around, well, can't go that way. Well, what about this way? No, can't go that way. No, can't go that way. Well, what about it? Is it big enough? Maybe we can go over the top of it. You try and you try it. Nope, it's, it's too tall. Can't go over it. Well, what if we dig under it? You go to digging, 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 sweating, digging, digging, and you realize that thing, man, it's way bigger than I thought it was. So you can't go around to the left. You can't go around to the right. You can't go above. You can't go below it. And how in the world does God ever do it? Well, he comes right through. Sometimes he just carves a hole right in the middle of it and you walk straight through it on the other side. God is perfect in building tunnels. He is an absolute master tunnel builder to the greatest trial you've ever faced in your life. You may be looking at a mountain today that is solid granite, as we would say, and you think there is no way around it. It's too tall. I've done got binoculars up there, and I've dug, dug down, and we shot down in there 40 feet deep, and we can't go below it. Well, maybe the Lord God wants to just open up the rock and cause you to go right through on the other side and close it when you get through and say, See there, child, I was with you the whole time. When it looks like everything has gone wrong, God's given you a trial. Listen to this. He's got confidence in you. He don't have to baby you around. You're not a hot blood plant, a hybrid. You're a real Christian. God has given you a test, see, what you'll do about it. Amen. No wonder Peter said these fiery trials, why? Count it joy. I'm still working on that part sometimes. <laughs> Count it joy. It's more precious to you than gold. And many times we hum and haul. Hum and haul. How many ever hums and hauls? <laughs> That's mule language, you know that, right? Hum and haw. Mule language. That's the stubbornness still in us. We hum and hum. Oh, well, well, that, well, that something God's give to you to overcome. He knows. He knows you'll do it. He's put his trust. Maybe I'm crazy, okay? 
I would rather have that right there than every gift. If I was the greatest preacher in the world, if I was the greatest this and another, wind up missing it and being lost. Now, a person could be that and have this too. But they could also have that and, and be lost. As a matter of fact, I stood at the funeral the other day, and there was an older brother standing there. Him and his wife got married, and they spent their honeymoon in Bakersfield, California, at Brother Bram's meetings in 1964. So he's an older preacher. I'd imagine the 80s, maybe something like that. And somebody come to the message, boy, he just, you know, just loves so much about it. But one thing that stumbled him, awful, women preachers. Oh, you guessed it. He had a woman pastor. He saw this woman preacher raise the dead. He saw this woman preacher pray for people, have all kinds of miracles, all kinds of healings. And he said, Brother Donnie, I never heard a human being preach like that woman could preach. Said she could preach much better than a lot of men. But he said one day the Lord made it real to him that it was against the word. And when he did, it just lifted him. So you see, you could cast out devils, you could raise the dead, you could do all of those things, but can God put his trust in you? I'm sure you feel like I feel. I don't put my trust in everybody. (laughs) No, I've been around too long for that. There ain't nobody, no mortal, that I put my ultimate trust in when it comes to, as far as a preacher, no. I've done been dealt too bad by preachers. There's one person I put my ultimate trust in. I love you all and I trust you and you'll have to trust me if I can help you. But don't put your ultimate trust in me because I'll fail you. Every preacher that you've got your ultimate tested faith in, I feel sorry for you because you're one closer, one preacher closer to not even believing in them. Because all you got to do is be, be hurt by that one and then you're finished with preachers. Ah, I don't even believe in preachers no more. Got too much trust in him, didn't you? Trust is such a great thing. Can you imagine Almighty God putting trust in you young men? You young sisters, you brothers, you preachers, you deacons. God saying, Judy, I trust you. I'm going to take Junior. It's my will. But I know you. I know you'll still love me. Linda, I'm going to take Jimmy. It's going to break your heart. You'll think you ain't got nothing else to live for. But I trust you. Can he trust you? That's of more value, friends, than tongues, interpretation, prophecy. If God trusts you. You know how we are as humans. The more I get hurt in life, the less people I trust. I saw a bumper sticker not long ago that said, the more I get around humans, the more I love animals. <laughs> I'm fixing to have a body wrap done in my vehicle that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. People that you feel are your closest and dearest friends, and they'll stab you in the back and turn on you just like that. 
And what do we tend to do? I won't trust nobody else. I won't trust nobody else. Uh-huh. And you know who you're fixing to hurt the worst? Yourself. Yourself. If you folks had had done to you what I've had done to me by preachers in or around this message and around the world, you wouldn't be at this church today. As a matter of fact, you'd never darken another church door because you think, hey, no preacher's right. They'll lie to you for money. I've had them to lie to me for money. I've had them to lie for me for this and that and the other, betray your trust, use you for what they can get out of you. And I still believe in preachers. How could you do it, Brother Donnie? Because he trusts me. Nobody had been hurt by preachers like Brother Branham had. But Brother Branham hoped both of his boys would be preachers. Uh-huh. Brother Lewis Lawrence comes to our church here. Brother Branham dedicated his brother and himself in 1961. And he prayed a prayer over him. May God make him a preacher. Notice the dedications that Brother Branham had over little boys. Pray the similar to the very same prayer. Make a preacher out of him. Make a preacher out of him. He'd be more hurt by preachers than all of us put together, no doubt. But it was still God's word. I want to trust his word, and then he can trust me. Let's stand together. Oh, my. He knows you'll do it. He's put trust in you. He knew when he took hope from Brother Branham, when he took his little girl, Although Brother Branham would get a gun and try to commit suicide, the gun would fail. He'd climb up the electric pole, jerk his gloves off, lay his hands over on the wire, and the angel of God must have been there to protect him because he come to himself at the bottom of the pole. He thought he couldn't take it no more. He thought he couldn't take it. Matter of fact, I'll read it maybe in a week or so. He said, that stumbled me so bad why God would take him. He said, but then I saw sometime after that, and I saw my little Sharon beside that broken wagon. I saw her as a beautiful young woman. And then I realized if she would have lived, something might have happened to her. But now she's where nothing can ever happen to her. So you see, when God does things and we think, I just don't understand, I don't understand. But we trust him even when we don't understand him. Let me love him today with all your heart. You want to trust him with all your heart? You want him to trust you. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Heavenly Fathers, we have our heads bowed today. Lord God, you know where every person is today. Lord, I thought yesterday that I was ready, but being curled around the house there a bit and doing some things and just changed my direction completely in the way I thought I was going to go. So I know this is timely today.
Father, we desire that we can be faithful and true. We know that our Redeemer lives. For many of us, most of us probably, Satan has done come too late to tell us there is no God. Come too late to tell us that he don't move. We've seen enough things among us, my goodness. We've seen more in our church than what's written in the entire book of Acts as far as things that you have done. We thank you for that. So he's come too late to tell us you don't move anymore, but he tries to tell us you don't love us or you don't care for us as an individual or a man and his wife or a man and his family because they're going through such things. Some lords struggle so hard with their finances and they just seem like they struggle and struggle and can never get ahead. And if they do get a little bit ahead, something will come up and set them back and they just back and forth and back and forth and they look at others around them being so blessed, so financial, and it just causes them a battle. They just can't figure it out. Some, Lord, trust you for healing in their body, and they see others and know about others that get healed. And Lord, we know the healed people right here on the prayer line. Lord, that don't even believe this word. Dear God, we know of ones that you touched and performed miracles for, and yet some of your children come through with the same faith, believe in the same hands laid on them, and nothing's happened yet. So that lets us know you're God. You control it. We don't. So apparently you could not try some of these maybe weaker Christians to get glory out of their life the way you can some of your mature ones, Father. Forgive us for complaining, Lord, and forgive us, Father, whenever we question and doubt. Oh, Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. As Brother Skip said it, Lord, the man said it well. Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. And that's what Satan tries to put on us. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you today, Lord God. We bless your name. Lord, would you strengthen your children? Would you come, Father, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus, to the sick, to the weary. Lord God, may we as this assembly, Father, have a greater burden and love for one another. It reminds me, Lord, of people that have in their mind, as I read it the other day, and a, and a person was likening it to people that are world travelers, and they, they've been to France, and they've been to Germany, and they've been here and there and there, and yet had not even seen anything in the United States, and said, well, the U.S. is such an ugly place to live. And yet people from France and Germany and everywhere else they've been are coming here to see it. If we're not careful, Lord, we'll still get our vision out well, let's, let's, let's go over here to the hospital. Let's go over here to do that. Let's go over here. And brothers and sisters in our own assembly, hurting, needing a friend, needing someone to pray for them. No wonder you told your apostles, don't begin in Tarsus. Don't begin in Cappadocia. But go to Jerusalem. Begin at home. Go to Jerusalem and go from there. Oh, Jesus, help us, I pray, Father. May we have a greater burden, Lord, 
for the brothers and sisters we go to church with. Lord God, our church family, our, our, our human family, help us, Father. We love you today, Father. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sing something for us, Harry. How many here today, if God has a debate with Satan over you, you want to be faithful to what God said. Now remember, God was the one who proclaimed, I have confidence in him. I know what he'll do. I know he'll get low. I know he'll get weary. He'll curse the day he was born. He'll say, why did it have to be said that there was a man-child born? Why was it not in the morning hours that my mother did not pass me? Why did I have to come to the earth? Oh, he got so miserable. But God looked at the end. He said, I know, my son. I know, Job. Be strong, children, in the Lord and in the power of his might. We will crest every wave. We will come through every storm. The Lord God will give us what we need. He'll help you. Don't get weary. He'll help us. He'll be our stay and our strength. You ever get that, Brother Donnie? I do. I do. But when it's all said and done and I get by myself, and I think, you know what, Lord? I'm just so tired of preaching. I've been preaching most all my life. Pastoring for over 40 years. Preaching longer than that. I think, I'm at the retirement age, I guess. Maybe I could just retire. Just play the guitar here, maybe, or sing. Maybe I'll let me sing every now and then or something. I think, you labor for people and you pray for them. They come to church when they want to, come to church when they don't. They'll turn their back on you just like that. Never even come and tell you how much they, they'll leave and go wherever. Never even pick up the phone and call you and tell you, I appreciate all the labor. You prayed me through to the Holy Ghost. You prayed for me when I was sick. It was your prayers that brought me out of the hospital. Not even enough respect for you. And you think, you know what? Forget the whole thing. Y'all can have this new church if you want it. I'm out of here. Then you think, now Donnie, it's been a long time since you got a whooping from your daddy. My daddy, Don Reagan, had a pretty good-sized hand. I've got walloped with it several times, probably not near enough, but his hand ain't near as big as my Heavenly Father's hand. Woo! I mean, knows what I'm talking about. So then I go ahead and get up, put my tie on. The devil says, where are you going, Sam? Going to burn your hide. Where do you figure I'm going? So when you say, why should I even come to church? Why should I do this, that, the other? The devil said, where are you going, Seth? Where do you think I'm going? I'm going to church. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to sing. I'm going to amen the man of God. I'm going to get what God's got for me. Get out of my way, devil. I thought you was discouraged. I was, but I ain't no more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Let's sing together, Harry. Can we worship him just a little bit before we go? I know you got dinner plans. You're going here and there and there, but oh my, let's just love the Lord a little bit before we go. Let's just love him. If God, you found favor in his sight. Erica told me probably seven, eight months ago, I sent her a quote from the Victory Dates Tremendous Service tape if you haven't listened to it in a while. Brother Bam said when you go through a trial, it shows that you found favor in God's sight. She said, Daddy, I wouldn't mind a little bit if I didn't find so much favor. I said, I understand, honey. I understand. You're praying for her, aren't you? I know you are. Every day, I so appreciate that. I don't know how we would have come through this trial if you all hadn't have helped us. Thank you for what you've done. Your prayers, your concern, I thank you so much. I hear from people around the world every week. God will wake people up during the wee hours of the morning, this and that, and praying for her. Thank you. Thank you so much. We need one another. But I don't want you to think she's the only one we pray for. Oh, no. There's many other needs in our church. We don't want to just call Erica's name and say, well, the other, I met an old brother the other day there in Indiana, and he said, brother, we pray for her every day. And he said, i got to be honest with you, sometimes I don't remember her name, but I say, Lord, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I said, yes, brother. Sometimes we have to do like the little boy that he was down praying on his knees, praying, and he was saying A, B, C, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Somebody asked him, said, what are you doing? He said, well, sometimes I don't know what to say, so I just say the alphabet and let God put it together. I hope we never get so deep and think we know so much that we overlook those simple things. Or say, but my prayer, what would it do? It might be your prayer that will climax Erica's healing. The Lord laid it on her sister's heart here a few weeks ago. She came to Carol after service, said, I've got to go pray for Sister Carol. Hope you don't think I'm crazy. She said, okay. She said, well, sure, it's all right. I don't care whose prayer God heals, hears. If I'm going through something, I don't care if it's a kid, if it's one of these little boys that prays for me and God answers my prayer, do you think I care who it is? What difference does it make? As long as I'm healed, as long as I'm helped. Don't let Satan tell you your prayers are not worth something. They are worth everything. Let's love him together. Let's just worship a little. Sing for us, Eric. This is my desire. Listen to the words now. To honor you. Lord, with all my Worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Let's praise you. All I have within me. All I have within me, Lord. I give you praise. Thank you, Lord. All that I adore is in. Oh, my God. 
She was just telling me had to have stents and she'd already sent me that testimony. Went back for the stent. They told him, said, you don't need it. Went back again for another checkup. Said, you're not, you don't have an appointment. Said, yeah, I've got an appointment. Said, no, your appointment's been canceled. Your heart's, now notice this man had a heart attack, died, they brought him back. They said, your heart is back to the condition it was before you ever had your heart attack. That's my God. That's my God. Hallelujah. Why shouldn't we believe him with all of our hearts? God bless you, saints. That old devil's trying to knock us out of even worship. I think we ought to worship a little more. What do you think about it? Leave us, my brother. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. The Lord, Thank you, Lord. And He answered me and delivered me from every fear. Those who look on Oh 
Our God good. Amen. Amen. Just before we dismiss, we'll sing Victory is Mine. Well, I rose. Maybe a little low. Well, I rose up this morning. I did not have a doubt. I knew that the Lord would bring me down. I got down on my knees, I said, Lord, if you please, rose up singing and shouting victory, oh, victory is mine, victory is mine, victory today is mine, oh, I told Satan, Get thee behind, victory today is mine, healing is mine, oh healing is mine, healing is mine, healing today is mine, oh I told Satan, get thee behind. I knew that the Lord would bring me out. I got down on my knees. I said, Lord, if you please, rose up singing and shouting victory. Oh, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today. Day is mine. 
smile.